Welcome to Radically Better, the podcast where we talk about how to leverage marketing to get radically better results in business and for the world. I'm your host, Erin Morris, and I'm the founder of purpose-driven marketing agency, Young Folks. We live and breathe using business as a force for good on the daily, and we can't wait to share everything we've learned on the journey with you. This week's episode is a very special live recording of our Good Mornings Breakfast series held at the Frankston Social Enterprise Hub, where we invite a purpose-driven leader to share in a conversation about using business to make a positive impact for people and the planet. Let's dive in. Welcome everyone, thank you for coming. Um, My name is Erin and I'm the founder of Young Folks. We're a marketing agency that's using business, we believe in using marketing to amplify the growth and impact of brands that are using business as a force for good. Um, We're a certified B Corp and we are also carbon neutral. So we're trying to do our thing to make a positive difference for people and planet through all that we do. And today, I've got my friend Joel here, who is the founder of a social enterprise and B Corp called Big Little Brush. Um, Before we dive into our chat today, I wanted to first acknowledge the traditional landowners um, of where we gather today, the Boonwurrung people. Um, I recently engaged in a Business for Country program with our whole team, with Matt here, who is from Regeneration Projects. And through that, we learned a little bit more about how we can operate on country and, and really operate with respect and, and not have this kind of tokenistic tick off the you know, acknowledgement of country at the beginning of events. And one of the key things that I took away from that learning was that it's about purpose, it's about respect, it's about operating in a way that has real thought and care and consideration for the lands and the waterways and the children. Um, And that's really kind of what we're all about at Young Folks too. I thought you could have written our mission statement (laughs) in this this sentiment. Did Um, you update your mission statement right after Literally, immediately. Love that. And I just find that's just a really beautiful way for us to come together today and ground in why we're here. Mm. And all of us are here because we felt some connection to having a purpose bigger than profit in what we do. Um, Obviously that's important and it, feeds into us being able to do all of the good that we do in our businesses. Um, But for for us here today, we're grounded in that purpose. So I wanted to kind of bring us down into that moment together before we dive in. Um, Great. So Joel, tell us about you and Big Little Brush. Um, I loved your comment that acknowledging country is about respect and purpose. For me, it's also about mindset. So um, you know, I think for me, I just want to also acknowledge that I'm on Bunurong country today. I grew up down here. This is my patch. This is my home. I really feel like I'm you know, from this place and I feel very, very privileged and lucky to, to be uh, that way. Um, so yes, my name is Joel. Uh, I founded a social enterprise called Big Little Brush. I was trying to work it out. I think it's seven years ago. Andrew, who's also in the room somewhere, oh, is my... He just bailed here. That's how interested he is. He's my co-founder. <laughs> um, that's how much he loves me. Uh, so yeah, we've been doing this thing for about seven years and we, um, it's quite a simple model. We sell bamboo toothbrushes 
Um, they're a beautiful thing, very tactile thing, thing that people interact with every day. Um, and we use our profits to support a couple of non-profits that are doing work with First Nations communities uh, in the Northern Territory. Um, they have a really strong education and health focus. Uh, they're called Red Dust and Children's Ground, who you might have come across in your travels. And if you haven't, go Google them right after. In fact, stick it in your phone right now and go and Google them right after today because they do really amazing work. Um, so, yeah, we love what we do. And it's, um, it's, uh, I also have a day job where I work in sustainability in a corporate business. And so it's been really cool to see um, the real shift, I think, in attention that, you know, that we're all paying to environmental problems and cultural challenges as well. Um, and to be a small part of that and to work in that space. So, yeah, that's me. So good. And tell us what motivated you or inspired you mm. to start a purpose-led business? Because the... <clears throat> I don't know about you, but for me, <laughs> it's very meaningful work. It's also incredibly yeah. hard work. I often describe <laughs> it as like starting a business is hard. Why not make it more difficult by sticking like <laughs> this purpose layer over the top of it as well? Um, so no, it was a, a personal thing for me. I had yeah. a, a wisdom tooth that, um, it's a gross story, so brace yourself, but it got, <laughs> I broke the tooth, it got infected and I got quite sick. Um, I was probably sick for two or three weeks with like a really gnarly infection. Um, and being the lazy, broke, um, quite stubborn individual that I am <laughs> and was then, this is a number of years ago now, um, I didn't go and seek uh, dental treatment uh, because I couldn't afford it, to be honest. It was expensive. Um, but it got so bad and I got so sick that my wife was like, you need to, I won't repeat what she said, but you need to go and get yourself sorted, basically. Get your life together. Let's say get your life together. That's, I'm sure that's what she said. I'm sure that was an expletive in there. There was one. For emphasis. Yeah, she was, she was <laughs> sick of my life. There you go. Um, uh, so I went to the dentist, had the tooth pulled, and um, two or three days later, I was back to my normal um, self, and I was feeling quite well. And it just really struck me through that experience that um, I'm incredibly privileged to allow my health to deteriorate to a point where I'm sick because I know that I have a safety net around me. The worst possible case, I end up in Frankston Hospital, they pull the tooth and I'm better you know, a few days later. Luckily, it didn't come to that. Um, but I was just really reflecting on that experience and thinking about how privileged and lucky I am. And I wondered what it was like if you're in like a low resource environment or like a developing country, for example. Um, so in Australia, there's about 18,000 dentists. We've got 26 million people in our population. Um, so you can do the quick maths. It's roughly one dentist per 1,500 people, roughly. Um, in places like the, the DRC in, in the Congo, um, it's like one to five million. It's ridiculous. So there's this huge disparity in access to what we would consider to be primary health kind of care and options um, across the globe. I thought, oh yeah, you know, Australia, one to 1,500 people, they can't, surely there's no problems in Australia around dental access. But as soon as you get sort of rural or remote, those ratios really, really change. And it's, you know, you compare, say, the Northern Territory to uh, the ACT, which has the highest concentration of dentists for some reason. And politicians, um, funnily enough. And politicians, yeah, people with... No, don't get me started. Today's that's a whole other talk. Yeah, that's a whole other... <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other session. Um, the, the ratios really change. And then if you get even more remote into you know, remote communities, um, it's not just about access to dental care. It's the, the kind of cultural um, expectation of what happens you know, when you've got a toothache or you know, it's really normal to lose teeth as you age in remote environments. Um, 
and you know, don't look too close in my mouth, I've lost a few teeth as well. Um, and I sort of really resonated with that and was like, that doesn't seem right. Like, this is Australia. Surely everyone has the same fundamental access to the same starting point. And it's fundamentally just not the case. And it's not isolated to dental. That spans a whole bunch of primary health things. Anyway, I'm on a tangent, but my point was learning that information, knowing those facts, um, I, and having this personal experience, I'm like, that was really shitty. Sorry, that was really awful for me to go through that. That doesn't seem fair. What can I do to respond to that kind of disparity and unfairness? Um, and Andrew and I were uh, having a good chat. Well, we talked about it for a few months, actually, but um, over a few uh, late night whiskeys one night, we said, well, let's just do something, do whatever we can to respond to that thing. And the best idea we could come up with was a social enterprise that sells a toothbrush, highly relevant to teeth, and, um, and then the profits go back into programs that are aimed at preventing those really basic primary health things that we can all, you know, take, that we all take for granted, basically. Yeah. Incredible. Hmm. And so you've gone on a journey of growth since this idea and this inspiration struck mm -hmm. and you've had an amazing podcast, you've got beautiful comms and branding and design. Oh, that's a high compliment, Erin, from you. <laughs> Thank you, because you're the queen of it. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> and we've worked together too to mm. help get your story out there. It was awesome. Yeah. And I think something that really struck me when we were working together were, and, and this is something that really resonates with all of the brands that we work with in our really purpose-led marketing, is just how much of a role purpose plays mm. in connecting to people on a values-based level. It's sort of in you know your traditional kind of branding and marketing, you're trying to play into you know consumer psychology, and it's usually on some level connecting to people's ego, mm. or like how they yeah. want to see themselves, like their f aspired future state. Mm. And it's like I aspire to be in this car or in these clothes or in or this. I will read that book one day. Correct. Or, yeah, yeah sure, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And what we're seeing like on a macro level is this bigger shift towards not just connecting with the ego, but also connecting with purpose and mm. values. And people are increasingly choosing, like voting with their dollar to choose to buy from brands that are really purpose led. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how purpose has played a role in your growth as well as in the, yeah. the inspiration for the brand? Ooh, yeah, it's a great question. And I do agree that um, there's been a real shift in how consumers uh, see the power of their dollar. I think it's probably a good way to put mm. it in that, like the, the climate crisis is so evident and so obvious to all of us. And it's not just a distant thing that's happening in you know, Bangladesh or um, Pakistan now, you know, with mm. floods far away from home, it's floods and fires on our doorstep, you know, quite literally. Mm. Um, and so I think the problem, the, the, the macro challenges are much more evident in like the everyday lives of people with discretionary dollars. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, the young folks of the world and other brands have done a great job of educating people on how their dollar can be powerful. Mm. Um, and I think we're also starting to see massive um, traction in that space in that you, know, you start buying from ethical brands and um, you get nicer products typically and you also then get great feedback and measurement and stuff around what impact you're actually able to make. Mm. Um, I always think about you know, the brand Thank You. Um, you know, love them or hate them. I can have a whole rant about you know, that whole situation as well. But they did this really amazing thing where you could snap a little picture of a, a barcode mm. and it would tell you the direct impact that you were so able good. to make with, their, with your purchase. Mm. Um, and I just think that kind of style of 
make a purchase, get some feedback, get some measurement has, mm. has been really helpful in that, that space. Um, and the question of purpose, how it's helped us to grow, I think um, it's been really helpful to have some strong anchors to come back to as an organisation if we're making you know, strategy or product or um, you know, any kind of decision, even around you know, what kind of comms and marketing we're going to do. Um, you know, why do we exist? Having an anchor in that and having a really strong, clear, well-articulated um, uh, anchor has been really, really helpful. Because when you're saying, oh, should we, um, I don't know, let's get some uh, uh, floss manufactured. We're looking at sort of product expansion. Right now we just do toothbrushes and T-shirts. Um, but, you know, if let's say we're gonna get floss made yeah. and it's something we're, we're looking at closely, that can come in a plastic container and be made of plastic, if you like. Mm. It's a lot cheaper than it being made of beeswax or cornstarch or, or whatever. Um, but no, we don't want to create an environmental problem while we're trying to solve a social problem. That's like mm. that's kind of backwards. So having that anchor of um, part of our mission statement is that everyone should have the same access to a sustainable future. So um, that includes reduction in plastic pollution and you know, solving the climate crisis and stuff. So mm. um, yeah, it just makes it really a lot easier to make those decisions. And then you know down to things like who you'll partner with and. Um, where you'll spend your marketing dollars, who you'll work with on projects and things. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's much easier if you have an anchor and I feel like we've got a strong yeah. one. So yeah, it's been really helpful. Yeah, amazing. So one of the biggest challenges for any business is <clears throat> getting people to choose you, mm -hmm. no matter what mm. you sell. <laughs> and then that challenge is amplified when you have a very like everyday item, like mm. a toothbrush. Mm -hmm that most people don't remember that they need mm. until, until they need it. They need it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you manage that challenge? Like some of the challenges that you've faced around getting people to go, yeah, I'm going to buy my toothbrush mm. online or get a subscription and get it delivered versus just like go to Coles and just get whatever's on special. Yeah. Um, there's no perfect solution to that challenge, but um, the way that we've always viewed that is that people aren't always buying a t-shirt, uh, a toothbrush from Big Little Brush. Um, they're buying a story and they're buying, mm. you talked about that appeal to ego. They're kind of buying equity in helping to solve something that they fundamentally believe should be solved. Mm. Um, and so that's what gets them to buy their first toothbrush. Mm. It's definitely not what gets them to buy their second toothbrush. The second toothbrush, they're buying a toothbrush. So, um, if your comms and marketing and your story isn't supported by a great experience or a great product that mm. is as good or better as the alternative of the direct competitor, mm. I think you're at risk of um, being really fun and engaging and awesome, but not having a sustainable business. Yeah. And that's, that's really risky, right? So um, for us, those two things kind of, I wouldn't say they compete, but they work in, in concert to say, um, we've got to tell good stories. We've got to be really clear about what we do and why and who we work mm. with and, and stuff and give people the option to buy into that. But then we have to ship them a really bloody good toothbrush as well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, holding those two things in balance is, is good. We've got a really great product. Um, we actually are working really hard on storytelling now and, and yeah. on how we bring um, that more story element to life to get people to yeah, pay more attention in the first place. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to have a reason for people to buy in the first place that connects to purpose and values, have a product that lives <coughs> up to expectations so mm. they have a positive experience 
and then keep people on that journey yeah. with your stories, your values, exactly. and some good systems in place to kind of maintain All those touch systems. points. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I could talk about systems for hours, but um, yeah. What's one of your systems like must-haves? Um, automate as many things as you can automate. Yeah. Um, and humans, uh, like our brains, well, I know this is true for my brain, but there's some research that talks about um, what human brains are for, and it's not for, uh, typically human brains aren't for organising information, they're for generating ideas. So mm. um, anything that is about organising information, get a system to do that. If you ask me like what our sales figures were from two years ago, I've no idea, but I go to my zero account, I go to my accountant, who's also my co-founder, and he can tell me, hopefully, um, well, he'd look it up in a system, probably. Yeah, great, <laughs> good. Um, uh, yeah, so just automate as many things as you can so that yeah. humans don't have to do um, that work, humans are really good at creative thinking and human-to-human um, -human interaction. So, Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So something that's really important and mm. becoming really a focus for the ACCC now as well mm. is making sure that any social or environmental claims can be substantiated. Mm -hmm. So how do you navigate that story yeah. in an impact space? Yeah, it's really really important yeah um, and we could have a whole big chat about the difference between biodegradability and compostability <laughs> but that's also another chat probably for a sustainability class at a university 100%. <laughs> and compostable doesn't always mean home compostable but um yeah it's it's really important <laughs> luckily we're small enough that the ACCC probably doesn't pay us any attention no just joking um uh no it's really important i think um because we've been around for a little while sort of six or seven years now uh the level of fluency of the consumer has really increased across mm -hmm. that time. So mm -hmm. um, when we first started, you could say anything you liked about your product and you didn't really have to be able to substantiate that. Mm. Maybe you did legislatively, but not from a kind of a social license or social um, perspective. Uh, that's really changed now. Mm. And I think it's a really, really good thing. So um, technically our toothbrushes are uh, biodegradable, but only in... Um, industrial compost. So mm. uh, if you break the head off your toothbrush, it becomes infinitely more compostable. So it's about kind of educating people about that thing, about like what's the difference. Um, and then also uh, we're a certified B Corp. So there's things built into that certification and standard that um, I wouldn't say force, but um, invite you to demonstrate the, um, the, the verifiable claim. Mm. So if we said, you know, we're biodegradable and compostable, um, B Corp would say, we show us the certificate and mm. the research and the scientific outcome that, that, that proves that. Yeah. Um, and, and you so, have to legally change your constitution to become a B Corp as well. So there is like do. definitely a, they're not forcing you to sign that, but if you decide to become a B Corp, they're forcing you to put that, Absolutely. that legal. Yeah. So that <laughs> kind of gives you that lock into those yeah. things, which is, which is really important too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, so it's, I think it's about verifiability. If you're mm. going to say something, if you're going to make a claim mm. and you can't, and this is another systems thing, if you can't demonstrate the system or the evidence or the proof that, that, mm. um, that proves that thing, mm. uh, then I'd say that's really questionable. Mm. And it doesn't just apply to this whole, like, is your product compostable or biodegradable? It's things like if you say, oh, we're a really inclusive employer, for example. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't have any employees. We're a very small organisation. Um, but you know, Young Fox is a good example. And this is what I love about B Corp. If you say you're an inclusive employer, but you don't have any systems in your business that make you an inclusive employer, 
I'd say you probably intended to be a good and inclusive employer. Does that make sense? Mm. Like, if you don't have a system that underpins that thing, um, then I think it's very difficult or, or maybe even um, uh, erroneous to say that you mm. are that thing. So, mm. yeah, when I'm thinking about... Um, uh, like, are we an environmentally responsible business? Yeah, sure, we, we are, we want to be, we intend to be, but we actually have policies and documents that mm. document how and why and, and what our kind of thresholds are mm. and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think it's about having systems and evidence and proof, things you can point out to say, we are what we say we are. Yeah. yeah. Now, I have a fun question for you. Good. Because you've given us some really good... Lots deep of technical stuff. info, Lots sorry, technical I'm a deep guy. Yeah. We're going deep. Yeah. So we're going to bring us up to something fun. I want to hear about like the coolest thing or the thing that you're most proud of mm. in the seven years that you've been doing this. Mm. What's like a standout moment oh, for you? Because so I think many. we all need that motivation. Yeah, so like yeah. when you've got those hard days and you feel like you're on the front line trying to make purpose happen, Yeah. what's like... Something that goes makes you get out of bed. In yeah, the we um we uh we've, so we've saved fifteen thousand toothbrushes from entering landfill or our waterways. Amazing. Um, so we're really proud of that fact. Um, uh, but honestly, the the gold for me is the work that we do with Children's Ground and with Red Dust. Mm -hmm. And there's one particular story. Um, we donated some brushes, or contributed some toothbrushes to a program that Red Dust were running. Um, uh, and I heard about this afterwards and I get a little bit misty when I talk about it. So I know you asked for a fun answer, but this is a bit of a, you know, an emo answer. Um, there <laughs> we're was going a, deep. Yeah, we're going deep, going deep. Um, so there was a, a cohort of kids at a school and the way Red Dust works is they, they go to the community schools around the remote communities in the Northern Territory um, and they run health education and kind of wellbeing programs for, for the kids in partnership with the uh, NT Department of Education. It's really cool work that they do. Part of that is they supply toothbrushes to every kid in those community schools. And there's probably 30, 40, 50 kids in the school, depending on the size of the community. Um, and there's one kid who didn't want to brush his teeth because he'd never, he'd never learned how to use a toothbrush. Cool. Um, and, and for him, there was a level of shame where he said, I don't want to get involved. And he was kind of being a bit naughty and like, what's going on? He's like, I just don't, I don't know how to do this thing. Um, and they said, well, sit down, we'll teach you how. And, uh, he learned how to brush his teeth and um, you know, from then on he was really engaged in the rest of the program and kind of had this moment where uh, that was his entry point into like losing that shame of not knowing you know, what to do or how or whatever, of not fitting in maybe is the, is the way to put it. Um, and that's one you know, small isolated example but for me it's like all we did was sell a few toothbrushes and then one ended up in um, you know, in remote Northern Territory and that helped a kid to like probably change his perspective on himself and you know, on his relationship to his own health and things like that. And that's a pretty special moment. That's so, so epic. Um, but alongside that, lots of cool stories. You know, we've been, um, uh, we've met lots of really amazing people along the way and built lots of cool brand, uh, you know, partnerships and things. And that's been really fun too. Yeah, ah. yeah sorry, I got a bit carried away there. I but love it. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's a cool moment, yeah. So. If anyone here was thinking about starting a purpose-driven business or a social enterprise, or they're already on the journey and they're wanting to build more purpose into how they roll, mm. what would your advice be? Um, uh, it might be a bit counterintuitive, but don't overthink it. Um, <laughs> uh, I think getting started with um, it might be a bit of a like a controversial opinion, but I think you need a sustainable business before you can really think about what your impact or purpose is going to be. Mm. Um, 
Because if you don't have a sustainable financial model, um, you've got a really good hobby and you're going to run out of cash at some stage. And, um, and that doesn't really help anyone long term. So mm. I think fundamentally start with, am I running a good business, a commercial mm. organisation or, or idea? Um, uh, and then you can stack on top of that. Well, when we've got some stability there, then we can really dig right into what that purpose kind of thing is that we want to be. I read this great book and I recommend it to everyone. It's by this guy called Peter Singer. It's called The Most Good You Can Do. And I highly, highly recommend it. Um, read it with trepidation because it might ruin your life like it did for me. Um, it really changed my perspective on a bunch of things. Um, but it really just sort of challenges you to say, um, pragmatically, what's the most impact you can have? And so using that lens of, when you're first starting out, you've probably got limited time, you know, limited money, limited profits. So um, using those really sensibly and having a longer term view is mm. really, really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also just like meet good people, build partnerships, have fun. Mm. Um, and yeah, we need more conscious brands out there doing good stuff, you know? Yeah. So the more the merrier. So good. So one last question from me. For everyone here today that's come in, that's wanted to ground in purpose, really ground in respect and mindfulness, mm and want to walk away feeling like they've started their day right. What is like the one thing that you want people to walk away from after hearing from you and about Big Little Brush, mm. in addition to buying a toothbrush yeah, well, you guys? Yeah, going to be my first thing. <laughs> uh, anyone with teeth who brushes them, please buy a toothbrush. That's an important starting point. Or if you know someone with teeth who brushes them, they might like a toothbrush. Um, uh, I think like we all have more impact and uh, power it's a bit of a lofty word for a Friday morning but we have like the we actually have the power this group of people in this room have the power to change Frankston change the Mornington Peninsula and change the culture of you know um, unconscious consumerism so mm. um, spend your dollars wisely uh, you know I'm working on doing that better every day um, uh, and this is something we learned through the business is that everything that we do as an entity has the potential to be positive, negative, or just somewhere in the middle. Mm. And so if you're really conscious about how you operate, you can have, make a positive difference with everything that you do. Um, and so, yeah, I think one thing to walk away with, a nice cup of coffee, buy a toothbrush, and go and live mindfully is you know, basically it. No worries. Thank you. That was all the questions. I That's think. all the questions. So thank you everyone for coming. And big thanks to Joel. Thanks for coming. Yeah. And thanks to Erin. <laughs> thank you. So, where can people find you? How can they support you? Uh, best thing you can do is buy a toothbrush or um, you know, recommend that your mates do. Uh, just biglittlebrush.org or on Instagram and all the places. So, awesome. Yeah. But yeah, thank you. And uh, big thanks to the Young Folks Crew and the Social Enterprise Hub. This came together in like two weeks or something. Yeah. Young and Folks it's gets things done. Yeah, <laughs> Hell yeah. But yeah, so yeah, good work. And thank you for having me. Thank you. This is our first session and of many more to come. We're gathering monthly on the first Friday of every month. And then you can slide into free co-working yeah. at the hub. See so you next month. Come hang out next month. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Cheers. Who has the time? Cool. No, you've got to go, man. You've got to go. <laughs>